At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You gotta fight for your right to You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Verbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hit the Bell with me, Matthias Burbell. We are back. Oh, man, it's been two weeks and it's been too long, but we have a fantastic MMA weekend ahead of ahead of us, man. We have Bellator 300, and I, and, I, and I start with that prior to UFC Vegas 80 because, man, we have had some crazy things happen at the weigh-ins prior to Bellator 300 being completely stabilized, man. Ali Malay McFarlane. The Hawaiian queen, the former champion, did not make weight against Liz Carmouche. We're going to start off with that because, man, everything has been changed around for Bellator 300. She weighed in three different times and missed weight three different times. Her second weight was announced her final weight at 126.6. Alima gained weight, actually, on her third try, which everybody seems to be uh, putting under the microscope. You know, at 128, from 126.6 to 128, her third try. I expected Alima to actually shave her head or take off a lot of her beautiful hair in order to try to make in uh, in order to try and make this weight. I was actually a bit confused to why she actually didn't try to cut her hair when I saw that she was only 1.6 pounds off. I would have myself. I would have cut my hair off. And I would have seen how much more I have left to cut after I shaved my head. Maybe that would have taken off 0.8 because it looks like Alima has a lot of hair, you know, just by by by, uh, by my bald sight, you know, off of the naked eye. I I think that she would have lost some weight off of the hair. Obviously, we see some some fighters do this from time to time where they don't make weight and they shave their head and then they make weight. I, I'm confused to why she didn't even want to see to where she would be if she cut her hair. It's a title fight. One of the biggest fights in her life. Taking on one of her best friends and Liz Carmouche. Uh, insane stuff. And, and not just that. It has been a mess. You know, f- this was supposed to be a five-rounder. It get, then it gets dropped to a three-round fight. Non-title fight. And then they switch it up again. And they say it is going to be a five-round fight. And if Liz Carmouche wins... She retains the title. And if Alima Lane McFarlane wins, the title is vacated. So nobody will be a title holder. It, it has been a mess. It, it really has been. Things have been changing uh, report to report. But now it seems to me that things are finally ready to go 
and we have it set a non-title fight uh, if Ali Malay McFarlane wins. Uh, Liz Carmouche is a strong favorite going into this fight, and in my opinion, she is going to win this fight. Uh, all, all this is bad news bears for Ali Malay McFarlane. The psychological warfare that she now has to face, you know, heading into this fight is immense. All the hard work that she put into this fight is now thrown out the window, considering if she wins. She doesn't win the title, so it's it's right back to where she was. You know, her paycheck is going to be a little less as well, even if she wins. So so not good for Bellator 300. We also lost Ryan Bader uh, earlier in this week at Bellator 300. This was supposed to be a four-championship belt. Um, this was supposed to be a four-fight championship belt type of card for Bellator. Ryan Bader, Chris Cyborg, Liz Carmouche, Nurmagomedov. Brett Premis, there's so many names on this card at Bellator 300. It's still a great card, nonetheless. You know, Kaiboy Kamaka, we just interviewed him a few weeks ago. He's ready to fight. Henry Corrales almost did not make weight. It took him two tries to actually make weight. So I was, I was, so that fight was also up in the air. You know, Bellator 300, damn, all over the place to say the least, right? But all is set in stone. We only lose one title fight, Ryan Bader, Sayonara, but at least we get to watch the fight between Liz Carmouche and Ali Malay McFarlane, even though the stakes are not as high, and the fight definitely lost some gas. Absolutely. It's a bummer, 100%. When you saw Ali Malay McFarlane actually step onto the scale her third time around, you could tell she wasn't going to make weight. You know, you could tell she wasn't going to make weight her second time around. She just had that look on her face that she did not want to be there. You know, uh, she was very angry, it looked like. She was very disappointed. Uh, her third time on the scale, actually, if you look at her feet placement, I don't want to, like, make assumptions either because it, it, if that's not true, uh, people, you know, people are going to come after me and, 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 and call out my eyesight. But I, I did look at it twice. And the first time around, I kind of thought that her feet placement was kind of all over the place. Uh, maybe because she knows that she needed to make weight and she was going to try to step on that scale to try to get the right read in order to make this a real championship fight. In, that, in my opinion, that's what she was trying to do. And that's what I, that's what I would have tried to do as well, to tell you the truth. You know, I don't want to call it cheating. I'm just going to call it the will to win. You know, the will to get this fight going. Uh, you know, would, would a couple points over her weight total... You know, ha have made a giant difference against Liz Carmouche. I'm gonna say no, but at the same time, her third time around was 128. But that was very odd. You know, when you look on Twitter, when you look at the social media world, uh, people are saying, "How the hell did did her did her weight go up from 126.6 to 128 point something?" And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, that's not natural. I, I don't think she went to the back and drank a lot of water. You know, prior prior to this happening, I'm sure she was doing whatever she could." to make that weight, except cut her hair off. But look at her feet placement. You know, it almost looked like she was on her tippy toes, not like, ex like extremely, but it looked like she was moving around trying to get that right. It did not work. It only made things worse. So, but at the end of the day, like I said, guys, I think you know when you're going to make weight and when you're not going to make weight. You know, you have to question the scale when you're 0.2 or 0.1 off. You know, and that's when you take off your underwear. That's when you take off your top and you see what happens. But most of the time, if you see something jump from 126.6 to 128 point something, there's something wrong. So like I said, look at that feet placement and look at what she was trying to do. It did not work out in her favor. You know, uh, still yet, exciting card coming up at the Pachanga Casino in San Diego. Saturday, Bellator 300. 
man, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, we are ready to go. As you guys can tell, I am stacked and ready to rock for these fights. UFC Vegas 80 is upon us. And we have Eric Jackman stepping in from MMAfighting.com. He is a social media director over there. Eric also jumps on the MMA hour when Ariel Hawani is not in. He takes over the show and has a great time with their producer, Connor, over there. People may know Eric from the MMA hour, like I was saying. And Eric, man, has been with me for a long time. We've been chopping up the MMA scene for as long as I can remember, since 2016, it seems like. So I'm happy to have him on the show today. We're going to have we're gonna pretty much give a full preview of UFC Vegas 80, and we're also going to preview the biggest fights at Bellator 300. We're going to have a damn good time today with Eric Jackman. But first things first, UFC Vegas 80, fun card ahead of us, a violent card. Uh, it's not a pay-per-view. So for everybody that has ESPN Plus, get ready to rock because it's going to be on fire tomorrow, guys. It really is. Main event, Grant Dawson, Bobby Green. Co-main event, Joe Pfeiffer against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Joaquin Buckley's on this card. Drew Dober's back in the octagon. Alexander Hernandez goes back down to featherweight and fights Bill Algio. I'm excited to see what Alex Hernandez does back at featherweight, even though I will be fading him. Philip Lenz looks good. He looks good, man. I'm, I'm telling you guys. Every ever since this guy did his did his uh, transformation of his body about a year and a half ago, when he came from the PFL, he comes to the UFC, loses two fights, and uh, his last three fights, he's looked like a brand new fighter in there. He looked like the like the PFL champion that he was, and he takes on Eon Kuntalaba, who showed up to media day in a suit and tie. You know, something special because usually he's loud, he's green, he's ready to rock. He's like I said, he's loud as hell. He gets in your face. A different approach for Ian Kuntalaba this time around. Uh, it's always exciting when, when, to see Ian Kuntalaba fight, man. The guy, the guy knows how to bang. This is going to be a fun fight. Karolina Kovalkiewicz gets back in the octagon. She is now uh, riding a three-fight win streak after going on a five-fight uh, losing streak. So that's going to be a lot of fun to see what, you know how she pulls out against Diana Belbita. J.J. Aldrich, a, a plus-120 underdog to start this whole entire card off against Montana De La Rosa to get things kicked off at UFC Vegas 80, man. It's going to be a fun card. Uh, we have some underdogs to talk about. Eric told me, you know, behind the scenes that he likes a lot of dogs going into this fight card. So can't wait to preview this whole thing with him right around the corner. I'm also going to give you guys my best bets at the end of the hour uh, for UFC Vegas 80 and Bellator 300. You guys know I'm riding with my boy Kai Boy Kamaka. The Hawaiian wave hits us again, everybody. So strap on that chin strap and get ready to take some hits, guys, because we are ready to dive in to Bellator 300 and UFC Vegas 80. Coming right up around the corner. Get your paper and pen ready, guys, because we're ready to rock. Let's go. This is Hit the Bell with me, Matias Burbell. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. What's up, fight fans? Welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matias Rebell. We are back, and we are ready to rock. Let's go! You know why? Because Eric Jackman, that's right, Eric Jackman, the social media director at MMAfighting.com, joins the show today. You can follow Eric on Twitter, at New York Rick. Eric does some great work. You could see him sometimes hosting the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, like we just saw recently. Man, Eric has been covering this MMA scene for a very long time, to the point where I think my first guest ever on Hit the Bell was Eric Jackman back in the day. So you know we get down with Eric, man. Welcome back to Hit the Bell, brother. It's always a pleasure, Matthias. You're the man and uh, happy to do it. Yeah, you're making me feel old, but um, I recognize it and know I'm old, so that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with aging, hopefully gracefully. No, man, you, you look great. You sound great. And you're not old. We're just at that mid-tier range now, bro, because now when I talk to these <laughs> 25-year-old cats, they make me feel old, man. I was talking about how great Tony Ferguson was the other day, and all these kids were thinking, Tony Ferguson, that guy sucks. He should retire. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this kid deserves to get slapped around how could you be talking smack about tony ferguson but this new era of mma eric you know they th- they look at tony ferguson and they think man that guy needs to retire that guy sucks like jake ellenberger you know the juggernaut you know people think that he sucked as well man we're talking about some great mma faces that are now you know past their prime time but that doesn't mean you talk smack on them right yeah they started watching when the apex got developed uh they don't they don't know about the struggles but uh yeah no have some have some respect for the legends of the sport absolutely man and we have some big fun coming up right now ufc vegas 80 coming up at the apex (laughs) at the apex you know all the young kids are familiar with the apex man but big time card coming up for for apex fans you know uh, for a non-pay-per-view card this ufc card i think is a lot of fun. I think it's a violent card. Main event, Bobby Green, you already know, against Grant Dawson. This is a fun fight. Also, Joe Pipe, uh, Pfeiffer's on this card with against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, Alex Moreno, Joaquin Buckley, Drew Dober's on this card. Are we fading Alexander Hernandez? We're going to get to all that fun later with, with, um, with Eric right now. But let's start at the top, man. Fun time card coming up. Grant Dawson, Bobby Green. We saw some heat today. Bobby Green letting the world know that Grant Dawson was, you know, was was 
hitting the mitts and saying, come on, Bobby, come on, Bobby, come on, Bobby. And Bobby said, you better have that same energy when you face me this Saturday. He wants you. He wants Dawson, that's what he called him, he was calling him by his last name, Dawson, to come at him and, and do the same exact thing he was doing in those videos. Man, and we all know Bobby Green, he's a game opponent, man. But when you look at the odds right now, Dawson, Grant Dawson is a, is a very, very big favorite. But Bobby Green, man, always dangerous. What do you think of this fight? Yeah, I think this is perfect matchmaking. I really think this is an opportunity for Grant Dawson to show the level that he's at. If he's, you know, going to get into the upper tier of the lightweight division, which is a shark tank, he's going to need to take out guys like Bobby Green. And it, and it can't just be where he squeaks by. He's going to have to have a per, uh, an impressive performance. And if he can do that, I think he's kind of showing that he's ready for the upper tier. And, and you can start to really fast track Grant. Um, up the ladder because he seems to have the total package. He seems to talk well. He seems to have a really good um, brain for the sport, and he's got the athletic ability and the fight skills to match. If he can rise to this occasion, if he can steal the spotlight um, and beat a, a veteran in Bobby Green, who I think is going to give him all that he can handle, then he's ready for that next step. If he's not, if it's Bobby Green turning back um, somebody in Grand Dawson that everybody kind of has pegged as the next big thing. It'll be an interesting thing to see, kind of see where his career goes from here. And we've seen both versions of that. We've seen where the prospect gets derailed and kind of falls off. And we've seen the version where the prospect passes his test with flying colors and is on to bigger and better. So I'm curious to see how this is going to go. I don't really have a great read right now. I feel like the, the advantage is Dawson's, but I could see a world where Bobby Green just makes it too tough for him. Uh, but either way, I'm looking forward to finding out. I had that same approach when Grant Dawson fought his last fight against Demiris Magulov. I was actually at the Apex Center covering that fight, and something I learned was not to mess around with Grant Dawson in this division. I kind of saw this matchup, and I think that they're giving Grant another softball. And this is no disrespect towards Bobby Green. I just think Grant Dawson is an elite-level grappler. You know, elite. Not not great, not good, elite. That means he could keep you down for 15 minutes in a three-round fight and suffocate you and pretty much not let you have any answers on how to get back up. And if you get back up for a split second, you're going to come back down for another five minutes. And that's just gut-wrenching. You know, that takes away your soul slowly and quickly, you know, at the same time. Because, man, when I saw that Demir Ismagulov fight, that was a pick -em. Remember, Eric? It was a minus yeah. 120, minus... 110 it was you know it was fluctuating back and forth nobody really knew what was going to happen and Ismagulov looked ripped when he when he stepped on the scale he looked ready he looked dangerous he looked fearless but man Grant goes in there and just demolishes him it was literally one of the most lopsided victories not having to do with damage on the face but just pure dominance with not knowing how to grapple and get back up with uh, you know against Grant Dawson grappling do you think Green could could raise his level up a notch when it comes to grappling when it comes to the wrestling you know when it comes to going to fight a guy like Grant Dawson cuz I don't think so yeah, I mean, the last time we saw him face an elite grappler was the Islam Makachev fight, and that was over relatively quickly. Once it hit the mat, uh, Bobby Green didn't have many answers there. His best uh, approach to this fight is going to be preventing it from going to the mat. And I think Grant Dawson is somebody who kind of wants to test himself and see where he is, both on the feet and in the grappling. So I don't see it as, as a fight where he's necessarily going to come out looking to shoot and just finish the fight that quickly. I think he'll want to kind of feel Bobby Green out and see how he stands on the feet and then maybe uh, approach the grappling. 
So I don't expect that it'll be this, you know, wrestling solely focused approach um, from Grant Dawson. But I do think ultimately, to your point, like he is the elite of the elite when it comes to that realm. And if it hits the mat, it's, it's going to be a long night for Bobby or maybe a short night, actually, uh, for Bobby if he's able to get it down. I, I could see a world, though. I, I can see, you know, this main event, this stage where there's an opportunity for Bobby Green to kind of keep him off circle. And we've seen some elite wrestlers turn back in the past where um, they're able to use the footwork and circle enough that it frustrates um, the wrestler. So we'll see what kind of happens here. Ultimately, if I, if I have to pick it, uh, I'm going to lean that Grant Dawson's able to get it done and finish it before the, uh, the time is up. But I'm, but I'm interested to see. I think Ismagulov is a name that many people aren't going to know, but the, the grappling level, the skills are there, and I think that was a very tough test that he passed. Bobby Green, I think, poses a different challenge, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he's able to overcome that. I, I like this Bobby Green fight because it's going to be a sloppy fight, like you know, for Grant. You know, Bobby's the guy who likes to make his fights grimy, you know, d- yeah. dirty, bloody, no fear. Green takes a fight to his opponent, and he could be jacked up, and he has no fear. He will go forward with his hands down, you know, Nate Diaz style, and really bring this heat. That's the one thing I'm interested to see. You know, Grant Dawson, fi- you know, fight a guy like Bobby Green is is how are you going to deal with pressure? You never know with Bobby, and his fights get crazy, man. That's the one thing. This is going to be a crazy fight if, if it stays standing. I like what you said about Grant actually keeping this on the feet and, and, and testing himself. Do you think that at this point, you know, Grant Dawson 20-1, undefeated in the UFC, do you think that the, a, a person like this needs to actually test himself by not grappling and not taking this fight to the ground, but by showing his skill on the feet? You know what I mean? It kind of reminds me of Bo Nickel. I would have asked you the same thing about Bo Nickel in his previous fight. He could have wrestled. He could have grappled. But he chose to stand up and show out and get a knockout with his hands. You know what I mean? Do you, do you see something yeah. similar with this? Oh, I definitely do. And I think that's valuable cage time and experience. Like, you know, you're, if you're Grant Dawson or if you're Bo Nickel or if you're any of those prospects, you can work as hard as you want in the gym. But you're not going to be able to put your striking to the test until you're in there with elite strikers. And Bobby Green is that, right? We know, you know, there, there's some holes in Bobby Bobby Green's game that Grant Dawson can exploit. But there's, but what we know about Bobby Green is he's a very good striker. He's a dangerous striker, and he's somebody who's not going to take a backward step. And so, if you're Grant Dawson, I think you need to test yourself. And I think he probably thinks the same thing. If you're a prospect on the rise, there, once he passes this test, if he's able to get by Bobby Green. He's got a lot of dangerous guys in front of him. Like, think about a Rafael Fazeev, right? Like, you're looking at some guys who are going to put your striking to the test, and you don't want to have the first time you're thinking about your striking and the last time you're thinking about your striking be in the gym. You really want to get some cage reps with that. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he wants to test himself and see how his, the striking turns out with Bobby Green. And if it's not going his direction, then, yeah, like maybe the, the takedown is there for him and maybe that's the way he goes. Um, but he's a super prospect, man. I think he's super well-rounded, and I think he's not going to look out of place on the feet with Bobby Green at all. So I think he'll be willing to uh, to test himself in all areas uh, before ultimately getting the finish. We are talking to Eric Jackman. He is the social media director at MMAfighting.com. You can follow him on Twitter at New York Rick. You can also follow him on the MMA Hour. He sometimes co-hosts that show when Ariel is gone. 
Eric is kicking ass in the MMA world. And as you guys know, we are breaking down UFC Vegas 80 coming up at the Apex Center this Saturday. Man, we just talked Grant Dawson, Bobby Green for about nearly 10 minutes. And we could keep talking about it, but we got to move on. This is a fun, fun fight, fun main event. But co-main, another fun fight. Joe Pfeiffer against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. This is a fun fight. And I only say that because of the number, Eric. You know, when I see numbers like this, when I see plus 330 for Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, Against a guy like Piper, who's 11 and 2. And I like Joe. You know, he's a great fighter, very dangerous fighter, very skilled striker, very explosive guy, like we've seen in the past. But you know what? So is Abdul Razak Al Hassan. You know, uh, he's from Cameroon. He has that African power. And that's what we see from, uh, from Al Hassan, you know, every single time he gets in the cage. You know, you know something's going to happen. It's going to be fireworks. Either he's going to go down or he's going to be the one that knocks you out. And he's coming off a pretty big victory, a TKO victory against Roberto. He got an awesome TKO victory against Jachirico in 2021. And he had a split decision loss against Joaquin Buckley in 2022. You know, he's actually had a great couple of years. You know, a split decision loss, those are always tough. That doesn't mean you had a bad fight. It just doesn't mean you had a great fight, you know, but it's nothing to hang your head on. This guy could hit you, and and if Pfeiffer gets hit, he could go down. Do you see any value right now with Abdul Razak Al-Hassan at plus 330? Because I think this number is a little inflated. Yeah, there's definitely some value on uh, on Al-Hassan, but maybe the, the play, if I was thinking about it, would be to go, to go the under one and a half or the under two and a half or a fight doesn't go to the distance. Because what I think is inevitable is if it's not Al-Hassan winning, it's Pfeiffer winning with a finish. So it's going to be like, if you look at Al-Hassan, he's got 12 wins and all of them have come by way of knockout. If you look at Pfeiffer, He's got 11 wins. Eight of them have come by way of knockout, and two of them have come by submission. Only one decision win between the two of them. And so I don't think there's any way this hits the cards. I think the way to think about this fight is it's, it's not going to go the distance. Who gets the win? I probably lean a little bit toward Pfeiffer, but if you're telling me you like the plus money on Al-Hassan, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a bad idea. Me, my, me myself, I like Pfeiffer. You know, when it comes down to, to fight time, it's going to be hard to pick against Pfeiffer considering what we've seen in his last four fights. You know, I know that he got a loss in Dana White's Tuesday Night's Contender Series. But ever since then, you know, we can't judge a guy off of his loss. We have to judge him off what we've seen for the last two and a half years. And what we've seen in the last two and a half years is a very, very dangerous striker that's fearless right now. But it's a scary fight. I love where you're at, though, with the, with the under one and a half. And, and you know what? That is the right play. Like Eric said, guys, the under one and a half is the play in this fight and if you're gonna throw some parlay pieces joe pfeiffer is the way to go you know this is the right guy but don't be scared and don't be fearful you know this this could be pretty nuts you know al hassan can knock you out with a shot he's a very very powerful guy that's for damn sure fun fight for the co-main event fun fight for the main event like I said, man, this fight card is fun as hell. Alex Morono, Joaquin Buckley, the third to last fight of this card. Fun fight. Uh, we just saw Chris Curtis actually compliment Joaquin Buckley very well this week and said that he is the most dangerous slash best striker he has ever fought. And we know Chris Curtis. He's been in the cage 
a lot of times, you know, lots and lots of times. He's been in this cage. Man, when I was, I think, graduating college, he was fighting professionally. And this is back in 2012, 2010. You know, this guy's been kicking ass for a long time, Chris Curtis has. You know, what do you think of his comment on Joaquin Buckley calling him such a great striker? And who do you think wins this fight between Morono and Buckley, man? This is a fun fight. Both guys scrap. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's right. I think uh, Buckley is a high-level striker. I do tend to think that this might be a, a fight that Morono can win. Like if you, you know, if you just look at the last fight um, where he or uh, two fights ago against uh, Santiago Pontanibio, where he was finished late in the uh, in the fight, he was finished in round three. You might think, oh, there's some susceptibility, but outside of that, he's been on a huge winning streak and just picked up a win over uh, Tim Means with a choke. The dude is really dangerous. I, I like Morono here, and I think he's the underdog at the moment. Um, I, I think that, you know, he will respect Buckley's um, abilities, but Buckley's, outside of that one super highlight reel knockout, Buckley's not as big a power uh, striker as, as uh, I think his reputation would, would have based on the on the back of that huge knockout that he had, like one of the greatest knockouts of all time. He's a very competent, capable striker, but he tends to be, um, technical, and he tends to take his time with it and, and be more of a precision striker. I think there's an opportunity for Morono here to kind of win the volume game and and eke out a decision. I think it's going to be a good fight, but if I'm if I'm you know a betting man, I think it's a dog or pass situation, and I, and I kind of like Morono here. Man, Eric, you're on fire today, baby, because I completely agree with you, and and I love how you brought up the Ponzinibbio fight. I was actually at that fight, and Eric, I'm Argentinian. I have Argentinian blood in my roots. My man, eighty percent of my family is in Argentina, type of thing, and I love Ponzinibbio. And I was wearing the Argentina jersey for that fight because it was in the middle of the World Cup. And as you know, Argentina won the damn World Cup, so it was a big yeah. deal for Ponzinibbio. And people might forget this, but Morono was actually winning that fight. He was winning yeah. that fight pretty. I don't want to say it was a clear cut victory, but he was hurting Ponzinibbio. And Ponzinibbio landed a great shot in the third round that completely stunned Morono. Ponzinibbio finishes the fight, and just like that, it's game over. That's why MMA is so great. But we can't ignore the facts that Morono was really, really showing out in that fight against Ponzinibbio. You know, Morono could be riding this win streak if it wasn't for Ponzinibbio. And like you said, man, he got a great victory against Tim Means. You know, submission, big-time win. And people thought Tim Means was done. Tim Means was not done. We just saw him kick some ass just a few That's weeks right. ago. So, you know, this is a dangerous fighter in Morono. And I love how you love this dog at plus money, man. Plus 145 for Morono against Buckley. And like you highlighted, man, the volume is what's going to be, you know, a, a significant value for Morono if he wins this fight, in my opinion. So, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Eric Jackman with the win right here. Plus 145 with Morono. Drew Dober's also on this card. And right now, man, these are some pretty, pretty big favorites. Pfeiffer's minus 430. Grant Dawson's minus 420. Drew Dober, minus 430 against Ricky Glenn. A fun fight. A fun fight for the fans. What do you think about this fight? Do you think Drew Dober, do you think the under is the way to go? Or do you think Ricky Glenn is uh, being undervalued? Yeah, I, I think this is probably, the line is probably right on this one. And if you're going to play Drew Dober who, you know, was on a nice little winning streak before he lost to Matt Frivola in a firefight, which is no shame because when you're you're in a firefight, Matt Frivola's got a chance against anybody, as does Drew Dober. 
I just see this probably being one-way traffic for Dober, and if you're going to play it, maybe Drew Dober inside the distance. But uh, yeah, I think I think this is going to be one to get Dober back on track. I, you know, I don't I don't put Ricky Glenn in the same uh, class and category in terms of being able to finish a fight um, as I do Drew Dober. So I think he'll find the finish at some point in it. And uh, yeah, you're not going to get great odds on that money line, so you might have to play him inside the distance. I love Drew Dober fights. I, I gotta say, yeah. Drew Dober fights are always fun, all the time. Like, man, I, I, one of my favorite when, fights. Winner or lose, you know you're gonna get a great fight out of Drew Dober every time. Absolutely, a hundred percent agreed. The thing that also scares me about Dober is that in in that three fight win streak that he just had prior to his loss against Frivola, the the win against Terrence McKinney. Holy smokes. You know, how many times did that guy go down without having, you know, the survival rate that Dober had in that fight was immense because McKinney hit him with everything, powerful knees. You know, Dober looked done. His face looked, you know, he looked like he had a broken orbital type of thing, man. He survives. He wins the fight. McKinney gasses out. Against Rafael Alves, another fight where Alves looked good. He looked good in this fight. He did. He was landing. He was looking, you know, he was looking with, he was fighting with that flair. Everything was looking good for Alves. And and, and, if, and for those that know Alves, you know, Alves, there's a highlight reel of him making Dober miss about five times. And he kind of does the whole little robot thing. That's that Drew Dober-Alves fight. You know, it was a really, really fun fight, which could have gone either way. Alves ends up getting knocked out because Dober lands something big. Same thing with Bobby Green, right? Bobby Green was looking good against Drew Dober. He was smacking him, hitting him however he wanted until Dober lands that shot, that powerful shot that changes all fights, man. And that's why Drew Dober fights are so great. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, Dober Dober is not going to be tested in that way in this fight, if, if I'm being honest. I don't think Ricky Glenn has the firepower to, to test Dober. And if you let Dober get going downhill and he's the one uh, bringing the, the power, I think it's going to be a short night. Um, I, I, quite frankly, I, I think he's going to be able to get Ricky Glenn out of there. But yeah, you're right. Like The chin has been tested, but on, on the plus side for Dober, every time it's been tested, it's held up. Even in the Frivola fight, like he was getting absolutely smashed. And it finally took you know one final shot from Favola to take him out but yeah Dober's got a chin of steel um he's super tough I don't think that's going to come into play much I think it's going to be one-way traffic fun stuff man lots of fun stuff the next fight coming up right here is another fun one but I'm on the fade Alexander Hernandez trade I'm done. I'm done putting my hard-earned money on Alexander Hernandez. I, I love his name. I love. I love the way he walks out of the you know into the cage. I, I love his attitude. I think the guy is could be intimidating at times. But I think all that has worn off. I think that whole you know the the knee against Benil Daryush that put him on the map. If I believe that was actually his first UFC fight. It was his first UFC fight in 2018 against Benil Daryush. The fight starts. He lands a flying knee, very similar to Jorge Masvidal finishes the fight wins the fight crazy crazy you know welcome to the to the UFC for Alexander Hernandez and then he ends up getting Olivier Alban Mercier who people from you know MMA fans know Olivier won the PFL great fighter great wrestler he couldn't out wrestle Alexander Hernandez that day Alexander Hernandez gets the win I feel like he struck gold with that win. Well, he thought he struck gold because, man, people shot Alex Hernandez up the rankings, and they kind of were already claiming him to be, like, possibly championship material. 
It all changed for my man Alexander Hernandez when he faced Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You know, he he was able to go to the press conference. He looked he looked very confident, very intimidating, pretty much telling everybody that he's going to send Cowboy Donald Cerrone into retirement. You know, very very rude to a guy like Donald Cowboy Cerrone, you know, Hall of Famer. And he loses that fight handily. You know, Cowboy destroyed him slowly. He was using the jab, hiding the kick. He was landing in any way, shape, or form, you know, once Alex Hernandez gassed. Once he gassed, Alex Hernandez is done. And I pretty much feel like that has been, you know, his UFC career since that loss. You know, he won a fight against Ronaldo, which I thought was bogus. I think Ronaldo won that fight. He lost against Dober. He loses to Moises. He loses to Moicano. He loses to Quarantillo. But he finally gets the win against Jim Miller, which he kind of had to squeak out. He had to squeak out that win against Jim Miller because Jim Miller had him in that guillotine in the third round, which nearly sealed the deal. It nearly sealed the deal, but he survived. He survived and he finally got back on that win streak. But man, Bill Algio is a fighter who doesn't gas, is a fighter who brings the pressure for you, and is a dangerous guy, man. I think, and like I said, I am on the fade Alex Hernandez train. What do you think of this fight? Do you think Bill Algio gets the win at minus 145? Yeah, you're not alone. I think there's a lot of people looking to fade Alexander Hernandez. You mentioned the Cowboy Cerrone fight. I think that that fight really mirrors the main event, just as an aside. Um, in terms of prospect on the rise, you meet the veteran, and, and sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, for Alexander Hernandez at that time, it did not go his way. Um, but on the fight itself with Bill Algio, yeah, I think Algio is actually undervalued here. Um, I, I think he should be a little bit of a bigger favorite. I just feel like he has all the tools um, to put Alexander Hernandez in, in some really, really rough positions. It was, it was good for uh, Hernandez to beat Jim Miller and get back on track, but I don't put a ton of stock into that win. It seemed like it wasn't Miller's best and Miller's on the wrong side of the retirement. And yeah, you, he had him in some really, really dangerous positions in that fight as well. Um, I think Algio is going to be able to get it done. So yeah, if I'm, if I'm thinking about this fight, I think there's probably a decent amount of value on, on Algio. Cause I think he's more well-rounded. I think he's uh, in, in a better place in his career right now. And it's probably a little bit of a, a tier above Alexander Hernandez. Man, if Alexander Hernandez gets this fight, if he wins this fight, he, he's definitely not going to win it via decision. So if you guys want to look at Hernandez and take a swing with it, you know, Hernandez, you know, to win round one, if he's going to win this fight, it's going to be in round one if he lands something crazy, like like that flying knee that he took, that he got against Benil Dariush, because if he doesn't land, imagine, imagine that, Eric. If he doesn't land that flying knee against Benil Dariush, what happens with Alexander Hernandez? Because I feel like the only reason that he, you know, shot up this cannon into the UFC was because of that flying knee. Like, really? Man, if, 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 yeah. if Daryush does that job, like, the way he was supposed to do it, and nine, nine out of ten times, he wins that fight. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that was a, a misstep by Daryush, and, and I think Alexander Hernandez capitalized on it. I think the Albin Mercier win has um, aged better, right? Like, to your point, he's now a PFL champion and seems to be actually dominant over there. So being able to get that done early in your career. But since then, it's been up and down and more down than up, if we're, if we're being honest about it. Uh, but I do think that uh, ultimately Algio is going to be a little too much for him. I, I, don't, I don't think he uh, is able to pull it off this time. 
Nah, hell no, man. I'm right there with you. I am fading Alexander Hernandez until he completely proves me wrong. He's gonna have to do like a three-fight win streak for him to prove me wrong. I swear to God on that one. You know, a fun fight for the main event prelims. We're gonna go through two more fights, and then, guys, we're gonna jump to Bellator 300 in San Diego. Big-time card for Bellator 300, one of the biggest cards that they've ever had in their promotional history, and we're gonna get to that. But first things first... Philip Lenz against Ian Kuntalaba. This is a fun fight, uh, you know, for not for, you know, for every fight fan. Not everybody knows who Philip Lenz is. Not everybody knows who Ian Kuntalaba is, but I do, man. And, and these guys could scrap. And I think there's some value right now with Philip Lenz at plus 130. I just say that because ever since... P uh, Lenz wins the PFL. He comes to the UFC. He goes on a two-fight losing streak. You know, and I, and I thought he looked terrible in his first two fights with the UFC. I thought he looked slow. Uh, he looked. Qu he was questioning his skill to a degree, in my opinion, especially after he lost the first time to Arlovsky. But man, something happened. He hit the gym. He looked shredded. He lost a lot of weight. It honestly looks like he talked to a nutritionist and figured his way, you know, to, to perform better at this level. And ever since then, he's been on a three-fight win streak against Prachnio, against St. Prue, and I, in my opinion, one of his best wins against Grishin. And I think that Philip Lenz is coming into this fight as a healthy dog against Ian Kuntalaba, who you never know what you're going to get Yeah, with Ian. Is he scary? Yeah. He also showed up in a suit and tie at media day this week, which is not something that you see all the time coming from Ian Kuntalaba. Am I wrong? No, yeah, he definitely uh, he definitely is interesting, a little bit uh, mysterious, and, and tends to do his own thing. I definitely am with you. I, for Felipe Lenz, the Grishin fight was a real eye-opener for me. He looked tremendous in that fight, and the shape he's been in, to your point recently, um, has me believing that this dude might be ready for a run. The only thing I would think about is Iwan has a win over Tanner Bozer, and Felipe has a loss to Tanner Bozer. Now, I think this was before Felipe kind of got in the shape that he's in and, and has looked as good as he has lately. But there's something there. There's something there that you could look at that maybe there with a common opponent uh, Iwan was able to get it done and Felipe wasn't. Uh, but this is probably one where I personally am going unders, right? Like I'm going under one and a half, under two and a half, because I don't think this one's going to hit the cards. I think there's going to be a point where one of them is able to land um, and finish it. So that's probably the direction I'm going. But if I'm true, if I'm, if I have to pick a side, yeah, it seems like Linz is on the rise right now. It seems like he has a lot of momentum and I think he's really um, at the point in his career where he could make some noise if he can get past uh, Iwan Kutsalaba. Let, let me ask you this right here because I feel like this changes a lot of people's minds sometimes and they make some question whether they would pick him if the number was different. If if Lenz was minus 165 and Kuntalaba was plus 130, would that sway your pick? Because it, it, to some people it does. It's like, oh, wow, should I really pay that price for Lenz or should I go for that dog at plus 130 with Kuntalaba? I think the yeah. number makes a great difference. Oh, it definitely does. It's to, but but to the point that I was making earlier, I think it's a dog or pass if you if you're feeling like you have to pick a side. But for me, I'll take them both and just take the under. That's where that's where I would probably go with this fight. Uh, count on count on a finish because I think we're gonna find one. Um, but yeah, if if I get Ewan as a dog again, he's got to win over a common opponent. Um, why not take a shot with it? Uh, but yeah, dog or pass. But uh, I, I like the uh, I like the under in this scenario. Now, I love how you brought in the comparison with Bozer because all, all my notes for this fight, I, I like at the very end, I actually forgot to say this. I have it in parentheses. Bozer handed Linz a loss back in 2020. Let's not use that as a measuring stick. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was it was before to your point. Like Linz has had a career like transformation since that point, so I wouldn't put a ton of stock into it. But I do think that Bozer is a decent um, a decent fighter, and Kutilaba having a win over him says something. Uh, what does it say remains to be seen. But uh, I, I would I would favor Linz ever so slightly now. Uh, but I like uh, I like this fight to be uh, finished before the bell. No, I'm with you, and I love that you bring in the distance uh, with the fights, man, because people love to fight with uh, to play with the distance, uh, overs and unders. That's never been my forte. So when other people I have on and they bring in the overs and the unders, I love it because it gives me confidence to go for it, baby. Let's go. We're taking the under with Linz. I love it. Let's, Let's do it. Go. I love it. I love Eric Jackman, baby. We're talking to Eric Jackman, the social media director at MMAfighting.com. You can follow him on Twitter at New York Rick. Man, Eric co-host with Ariel Hawani when, when he's gone sometimes and he takes over the MMA hour. It's a fun time with Eric at all times. We are rocking it right now. But before we get the bell to 300, I got one more fight. And it's crazy because I had a lot of fun breaking down this fight. I had a lot of fun actually getting ready to talk to you about this fight because it's a fun one, man. Karolina Kovalkiewicz against Diana Belbita. This is a fun fight for me because... I love Karolina Kovalkiewicz, not not just to win this fight, but I, I just love her resurgence. I love that the UFC has treated this fighter with respect, and I love how the UFC didn't throw her to the wolves at a time where she didn't need to be fed to the wolves. Her confidence was low. She, she was debating whether she needed to retire or not. And if, if we know anything about Kovalkiewicz is that she is a fighter. You know, she might have a beautiful face. She might look like a, like a freaking model outside of the UFC. But when it's time to scrap, Kovalkiewicz is down to scrap and to get bloodied up and to go forward and to use those hands, accurate hands, fast hands. I love, I, you know, watching her fight. But to see her confidence go down the way that it did at one point in her career, it, it was sad because it's just like, man, this is what happens to fighters when they kind of lose that step and when their psychological advantage goes down. But man, the UFC built her back up, which I commend them for. I commend them for building Kovalkiewicz back up. And now she's on a three-fight win streak. She beat Herrig. She she beat a powerful boxer, the Argentinian Silvana Gomez Juarez, and then she beat a, 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 a grappler and a girl who knows how to win fights via submission in Vanessa Demopoulos. But let's not forget that she was on a five-fight losing streak, and not just that, she actually lost seven out of her last nine fights after she lost that, that, that title shot against Young Jacek. She lost to Young Jacek. She lost to Gadella. She gets a couple wins against Esquivel and Herrig, but after that, man, she loses to Andrade. She loses to Waterson, she loses a Grosso, she loses a Yawn, she loses a Pennant. Man, she was on the cusp of retiring. And then here we go back with Kovalkiewicz, a three-fight win streak. Man, it's exciting for me to see her fight with that joy again because her last three wins have been good wins, Eric. They've been good, powerful wins. And now she takes on a girl, Diana Belbita. And I don't think this is the right time for Belbita to fight Kovalkiewicz. I think Kovalkiewicz right now is woo, ready to get another dub. What do you think? Yeah, we're, I, this might be our first disagreement because I, I feel like the momentum is with Belbita, if I'm being honest. I think... I think Kovalkiewicz has looked good recently, good enough to kind of be on this winning streak, and I was happy to kind of see um, she was in a rough spot with her career, and I, and I think she really turned it around and found that joy and, and that love again, and it's looked really decent. Um, but, man, the difference in age and hunger and experience uh, – not experience, the difference in age and hunger and, like, youthfulness um, I think is going to come into play here. And, and, I, and I feel like the dog – I really like a lot of dogs on this card is what I'm realizing. I didn't think about it until now. But I like a lot of dogs on this card. 
I feel like I might go with Belvisa. I feel like the, the age is going to come into play here, and she might just be the hungrier fighter um, and be able to get it done. I think, you know, it, it, as, as far as the striking and things like that, certainly Tolukiewicz is going to have an advantage. There's, there's some technical things um, that she's going to have an advantage in, but I do think that the, the, the youth um, is going to be on, on Belvisa's side. And I, I, I see that coming into play. I just see her being hungry and, and getting it done. I think she's like 27, um, which might be like a decade younger than Carolina. I think that's going to be a factor here. I think she's going to be able to outlast and, and outpoint uh, Carolina. Man, Eric, I, I love when we like we could disagree and we could have fun. It's all good in games around here, brother. Let me tell you. But you know what? You bring you bring up a great point, and you know a lot of other guys would completely agree with you when you look at the age disparity and when and when fights are tight and when fights are you know you know minus one fifty fives, plus one thirties, plus one twenties, and and around that area, a lot of people say let's look at the age, and a lot of the times, you are right, my friend. Age disparity does matter. The older fighter doesn't seem to win in these types of fights. And like you say, with younger, you know, the younger fighter coming up in the ranks. I just, man, I'm just going with my gut right here. I just feel like Carolina, yeah. it's uh, it, it's her it's her goodbye. It's, it's the final chapter of her career. It's the final chapter of her prime, I think. I think she has about a year, a year and a half, two years left of her prime time to the point where she's retirement is right around the corner but at the same time i think she still has one big fight left but this win must propel her to get to that big fight it's going to be a fun one and you know what we'll be tweeting and talking to each other back and forth come saturday when this fight (laughs) happens so we'll keep in touch but uh, one last thing for you on this card i'm not going to actually bring up another fight i want to ask you do you have any other fights circled uh on these prelims that you want to hit on do you like any because you said you like the dogs we have aldridge at plus 120 we have demopolis actually that we just talked about a little bit ago a plus 260 and Nate Maness at plus 220 do you think any of these dogs have a chance I don't hate Aldridge in that spot I think that's a really close fight and I think Aldridge is is very scrappy um I don't hate her there but yeah I mean there's obviously a clear um advantage in the submission game for Montana De La Rosa like that <clears throat> that's a, a path to victory for her there but I don't hate JJ Aldridge as a dog there either I'm with you, man. Uh, tell you the truth, that's actually the fight that I, I would most lean on for the dog as well is Aldridge. But I, I, I would like the over in this fight more than anything mm. because I don't think mm-hmm. either fighter will finish each other. And it's just a, this is like a pure pick 'em for me. I, I, maybe to live bet it better than actually go for it beforehand because I just don't know what I'm going to get with either of these fighters. You know what I mean? I like, I, like I don't know how they're going to start. Yeah, live live bet's always a good play. Man, UFC Vegas 80 is going to be lit. And like uh, Eric said, look for those dogs. Uh, look for woo, woo. Let's look for those dogs. I sound like a poodle and I went with a Rottweiler. I had, I had to switch it up, man. <laughs> man, we are rolling with Eric Jackman. UFC Vegas 80 is going to be on fire, guys. But let's move on to Bellator 300. I told you guys we were going to get to this. We got to give it some time right now. Uh, it's a fun. It's a fun one, man. It's one of the best cards that they've had in their promotion. They had four title fights. But Ryan Bader's out. Now we have three title fights. We have the Hawaiian baby. Let's go. Alima Leigh McFarlane facing one of her great friends. I don't even know if they're still best friends, actually, because of what's happening with this whole title fight. But Liz Carmouche, you know, they're both in San Diego. They both know each other very, very well. I don't think this goes well for the Hawaiian Alima Leigh McFarlane. I think Liz Carmouche takes us to the ground and keeps her on the ground. Eric, what do you think of this title fight? Yeah, they're still friends. At the at the uh, press conference earlier today, Alima kind of came in uh, on the faceoff for like a fake shot and was trying to like pretend that she was starting off beef, and then they just hugged it out. So yeah, they're still they're still friends. I know that this is a fight where um, there's a lot of respect uh, between the two of them. 
I do think that Liz Carmouche is going to be a little too physical for Alima Lay probably. Um, but I do think if it stays on the mat, like Alima is going to be dangerous. And I think there's going to be oppor- opportunities for her to finish and win this fight. But ultimately, I kind of side with Liz Carmouche. I think she's going to be too physical and, and be able to control where this fight takes place ultimately. Um, and man, she looked great in her last performance. Like I've been super impressed with, with late career Liz Carmouche. Uh, so yeah, I, I do have to side with Liz. Uh, but I do think Alimale is going to have opportunities. I don't think this is going to be a fight where it's just one-way traffic and she's not going to have shots. I think she's going to have chances to win this fight and can she take advantage of them is going to be interesting. Uh, but I do side with Carmouche. I, I think the physicality is going to be a, a major key. It's a crazy fight, you know, back in the day when Alima won her title for Bellator against Valerie Letourneau on Hawaii. It was a fantastic win. You know, Liz Carmouche was everywhere. You know, I remember during her camp and and great friends. And you see them, you know, in San Diego for, for some time now, man. And I remember wondering, man, these girls might have to fight each other one day for a championship belt. And if that's the case, it's like, who's going to falter, you know, when it comes to that psychological part of the fight game? You know, we've seen Mm. friends fight each other and we've seen them not perform the same way that they would have performed if they weren't fighting each other. You know what I mean? We've seen it. We saw it at the PFL. You know what I mean? When when they gave Shane Burgos a a, a freaking playoff spot because uh, the the two other fighters fighting previously, they... You know they they threw up a tomato can, and because they're friends, yeah, right. So you know, yeah, if they if they if they if this comes to a point where one of these fighters is not going to fight like themselves, and one fighter is going to fight more hungry than the other, who do you think actually screws this up and doesn't fight up to their potential? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about the relationship. I don't know enough about you know who who is kind of the one that that uh, is more aggressive in uh, keeping the friendship alive. But I I have to think like. They're both so experienced at this point in their careers, and they've fought everywhere, and they've they've faced uh, high-level competition. I don't think it's going to be a factor in the sense that, like, one is going to be able to big brother or big sister, in this case, the other, and kind of leverage that relationship and take advantage of it. I just think there might be an opportunity where maybe if they're deciding, do I really want to badly hurt this person, they might think twice about it. But I think it's going to be a good fight, and ultimately I think uh, they'll be friends at the end of it. I don't think anybody's going to get hurt too bad. Um, and I think their friendship will last through it. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. The psychological play uh, between friends is always something to think about. Nah, man, it is, man. And you know what? I have a feeling that if Alimale McFarland loses this fight, I think she's going to retire. I could see I, it. I, think, I could definitely see it. Well, she's, she's contemplated it, right? She, like, she's, she's, she's kind of pulled back and forth with it. And as we know, Alima has a lot of things going on outside of fighting. And you know how, how uh, into Hawaii she is and into the community and, and helping Hawaii at all yeah. costs, especially with the fires across Maui. I just think that right now her calling card is outside of fighting, man. So I just wonder how she performs you know, in this fight. And it's crazy that they're fighting each other and it's for the belt. And just perfect timing you know, all around. Like you said, veterans, both of these women, uh, can't wait for this fight. Uh, Uzman Nurmagomedov for the lightweight world championship belt of the world against Brett Primus. 17-0 Nurmagomedov against 12-3 Primus. Man, every single time you see Nurmagomedov, whether it's Khabib or any one of his cousins, brothers, you see that Nurmagomedov name, you got to be a little fearful, right? Yeah. Oh, man. The, like, the name carries the the, the weight and, and carries the expectations uh, with it. But He's what, what if nobody's see, if you've never seen Usman before, he's he carries the name, but his style is completely different than the rest of the Nurmagomedovs. He is a primary striker and he is a beautiful striker. The dude is a savage. The dude is technically beautiful. 
And uh, I have a feeling he's going to put it on Brent Primus pretty bad. Like, I know the line is lopsided. It might even be more lopsided than the line uh, is reflecting. Uh, I think this is going to be a showcase fight for Usman Nurmagomedov, as they kind of all have been to this point. Uh, he's going to show out. He's going to retain his title. But, yeah, if, you've, if, you're, if you are familiar with the Nurmagomedov name and you've seen Habib and you've seen the grappling um, and think that that's what Usman's about – that is not what Usman's about at all. Like, this dude is a, a savage striker, um, and you should probably tune in to, to check it out. Oh, it's a fun one, man. I remember watching Brett Primus fight when he fought against Michael Chandler for the belt yeah. on Hawaii. That's exactly when Alima Leigh McFarlane actually won the, won her belt that same weekend, not that same night, because on Hawaii, they have a two-night special. Brett Primus, Michael Chandler, they fought for the belt. In front of the, in front of only troops, only Marine and military personnel. There was no other fans allowed at the Blaisdell Center on Oahu uh, for that fight card. It was a hell of a fight card, but man, I'll never forget that Brett Primus had Michael Chandler. Uh, he took his back and he got him in a he got him in a, in a in a in a choke. He got him in a submission, and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's about to win the belt. My, you know, I remember Chandler's face was going red. He couldn't get out of the choke. It was very very similar to the Brian Ortega Alex Volkanovsky type of intensity, where one guy had the choke locked in and the other guy was trying to survive. And Michael Chandler freaking survived, which was crazy. And it, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm literally recapping it in my mind. And I, and I remember I had I had money on. Chandler. Chandler, and I remember I'm crunching my toes while I'm watching this from the media desk, <laughs> thinking I can't believe Chandler's about to lose this fight, considering Michael Chandler is one of my favorite fighters at the time, and still is, but I'm just, oh man, Brett Primus could actually do something crazy in this fight, I'm not saying he's going to win this fight, but don't sleep on Primus on pulling something out of his ass and winning this fight, and nobody's going to expect it, because he's done it before, he could do it again. You know, he could he, he could make this fight dangerous, but I'm still with you. Don't bet against Nurmagomedov, but don't think that this, that Primus is just going to roll over and he's going to get his ass whooped. You know, this guy comes to fight, and he fights with a lot of passion. And it, it, I remember post-fight, after he lost to Chandler, if I've ever seen a fighter look depressed and, and heartbroken, it's Brett Primus, man. Uh, Brett Primus, he he definitely wears his losses on his sleeve, and he thinks and he analyzes, and he gets back into the gym and he tries to fix his mistakes, man. But he feels everything that Brett Primus does, man. Expect a fun fight, and that's why he's getting another title shot because he, you know, he's gonna bring it. We get to the final fight, you know, to the big one, man. And I say it's a big one because woo, one of the best female fighters to ever live. Some will argue that she is the best female fighter to ever live. We know we could argue about that for days. You know, it's crazy. Mm. Chris Cyborg against Kat Zingano. Big time fight. Chris Cyborg, 26-2 against Kat Zingano, 14-4. Any single time Chris Cyborg fights, you have to watch, right? Yeah, uh, I would. I am one of those people who would argue that Chris Cyborg is the best female fighter who's ever lived. And uh, I think she's going to show that on Saturday night. She's just, you know, outside of the Amanda Nunes loss in, in recent years, there's really been nothing. There's no flaws. Um, she's a super well-rounded fighter. She's absolutely dominant when it comes to the physicality um, inside the cage. She she just never looks like um, somebody is going to be able to affect her, uh, which is what made the Amanda Nunes upset so incredible. And shout out to Amanda Nunes for that. Um, but yeah, Cyborg, I think th th the timing is wrong on this. I would have been more interested in this fight a few years ago uh, because I think Katsangana would have had some more mileage uh, left on the tires, some more tread on the tires at this point in their careers. I feel like it's not been 
a great recent run for Kat Zingano. Like, she's been winning, but I haven't been super impressed. Uh, whereas on Cyborg, it just seems like the train keeps rolling. So I expect that uh, Cyborg is gonna is gonna finish this. There's some real you know heat between the two. There's some real animosity. Cyborg's been campaigning for this fight for a long time and felt like Zingano has been ducking it. Uh, purchased the website like AlphaCat.com, I believe it is, and uh, rebranded it with with Cyborg stuff. So. It's it's gotten a little bit personal, um, and I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic, but I don't see a world where Cyborg doesn't come out with her hand raised on this one. Oh, man, I love that you just gave everybody that information, Eric. I got to say, that just made this fun, this fight, this this fight 10 times funner than it already was, man. I got to say, I love when we get some bad heat and some bad blood in these fights, man. Especially when you look at Cat, I mean, excuse me, at Chris Cyborg, who's 38 years old, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Woo! To give her another reason of, of motivation is, is something special, man. Woo! I got, I'm so excited now for this fight, even more than I already was, man. Yes, yes, yes. And I love that you brought up the fact that Chris Cyborg, that you would argue is the best female fighter to ever live. So you yeah. believe that she is, right? Yeah, no doubt in my mind. Like, I, I get, you know, the arguments for Amanda Nunes and others. Uh, but I just think the body of work, the longevity for how long she's been dominant and the names that she has on her resume. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody's been better than uh, Cyborg. I put her up there with some of the best fighters of all time, male or female. I agree with you, brother. I swear to God, I agree with you. And other people would say, yeah, you're so stupid. How could you think that? She, Amanda Nunes knocked her out. But you know what? It, that doesn't matter, man. If they fought again, who knows what would happen? Oh, but you know what? With that said, Eric, again, guys, we are talking to Eric Jackman, the social media director at MMAfighting.com. Go follow Eric on Twitter at New York Rick. Go watch the MMA Hour. You guys are going to see him with Ariel Hawani from time to time. He is the man. But I got to let you go, bro, because with that said, we, uh, there's nothing else that needs to be said. You just dropped the mic. Chris <laughs> Cyborg, best female fighter to ever live. Drop the mic, Eric Jackman. <laughs> Thanks, brother. It was so good to talk to you, Matthias. Uh, the pleasure's always my man. I can't wait to talk to you again. Take care. We'll see you soon. And guys, everybody, again, Eric Jackman from MMAfighting.com. Let's go. Aloha. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matthias Burbell. Last final segment of the show. We have been rolling awesome. Thank you so much to Eric Jackman from MMA Fighting for joining us and giving us his best bets and breaking down UFC Vegas 80 and also. Uh, a preview of Bellator 300. Loved, loved, loved Eric's picks. But now it is time for my best bets going into UFC Vegas 80. Let's start right now. And yes, we will go with the dog. Philip Lins at plus 125. I am rolling with Philip Lins as one of my best bets. Also, let's go. Bill Algio at plus 100. I am going to fade Alexander Hernandez. I have to. He has to prove it to me in order in order for me to change my mind on this. And I don't think Alex is actually going to prove me wrong. I think Bill Algio gets the job done, and I like that it's still plus money. And the price has been going down. It was at plus one twenty five earlier in the week. Now it is at plus one hundred. So yeah, this number I actually expect it to keep going down by the time the fight starts tomorrow. To tell you the truth, I'm rolling with Karolina Kovalkiewicz at minus one fifty five. I ain't scared. I think that she has turned a corner again and she's trying to rise to the top before she can no longer do that anymore. So I'm rolling with Karolina Kovalkiewicz at minus 155. I just think that in her last chapter of her uh, illuminous career, I, I, def- I definitely think she gets a job done against Belbita. I just think she's a better fighter than her overall. I don't think Belbita has any championship aspirations around her. I don't think that she's at that level. I don't think she can get to that level. And we've seen Kovalkiewicz actually be at that level. She has fought for a title before and she has those hands. She has that accuracy, but she could also feel the fight, man. She's a fighter's fighter. So I'm going with Karolina Kovalkiewicz at minus 155. Let's roll. Also, JJ Aldrich at plus 125 over Montana De La Rosa. Let's go. I love these dogs. We're going to dance all night long, baby. Let's go. We go to Bellator 300. Let's do it. Man, how do you not take a chance with Brett Premis at plus 1100? You know what I mean? Like, this guy is a dog, but forget that. Why even take that type of chance? I'd rather just go with the over one and a half at minus 145. I think Brett Premis is game, man. Do do I think he's going to win this fight? No, I don't think he's going to win this fight. But at the same time, I do think he's going to show up and he's going to put up a good performance. You know, I, I don't think Nurmagomedov is going to go in there and just destroy Brett Primus. You know, Brett Primus has fought Michael Chandler twice. You know, he's battle-tested. He He's fought some killer, killer guys. He's not going to be intimidated by Nurmagomedov. You know, he's not fighting Khabib. He's not going to grapple him to the ground and submit him and, and do what Khabib does, which is pretty much a stranglehold you on the ground. This guy's going to want to stand. He's going to go over one and a half rounds. Let's go, minus 145. Also, Alima Leigh McFarland did not make weight. I'm definitely not thinking that she's going to win this fight against Liz Carmouche. I think Liz Carmouche is a great parlay piece at minus 285. And I'm actually going to parlay her with our boy Kai Kamaka the third. That's right, Kai Kamaka the third and Liz Carmouche. 
minus 200 for Kai Kamaka, minus 285 for Liz Carmouche. And if we parlay them together, you know what we get? We get a nice price of plus 102. Let's go. That is the parlay piece, a two-team parlay. Liz Carmouche, Kai Kamaka the third, plus 102 value. Let's dance. What else do I like on this Bellator card? Um, oh yeah, Sarah McMahon, minus 180 over Leah McCourt. I think she takes this to the ground. Leah McCourt, good fighter, good fighter. But at the same time, Sarah McMahon knows how to win these types of fight. You know, she's battle-tested. She knows how to take the fight to the ground. Excellent, excellent wrestler. Has tremendous durability. I think she just outlasts Leah McCourt and she gets this fight to the ground. Minus 180. Uh, it, it is a, a strong price to pay, but I don't mind actually parlaying that also with Liz Carmouche. So, if, you know, let's forget about Kai Kamaka. Let's just do another two-team parlay right here with Sarah, with Sarah and Liz Carmouche. And it's also another great price, guys, at plus 110. So we got Sarah McMahon and Liz Carmouche parlay at plus 110. And we have Liz Carmouche and Kai Kamaka the third parlay at plus 102. I'm definitely dancing with both of those parlays. For Bellator 300. Uh, do I want to throw Chris Cyborg in there at minus 700 against Kat Zingano? No, I don't. Minus 700 really does not do anything for the parlay. If anything, it just m does more harm than good, in my opinion. Because it's a fight. Anything could happen in a fight. You know, if you put a gun to my head, I would tell you right now, Chris Cyborg is not losing this fight. No matter how crazy it gets, there's no way she can lose this fight. But at the end of the day... You know, I, I don't even need to watch this fight. I'd rather just watch this fight and entertain myself, you know, by by being able to watch this fight rather than throwing it into a parlay and hoping for the best, you know, for what, a couple extra bucks? Forget about that, you know what I mean? Plus, like, let's just see what Chris Cyborg does for the parlay if I want to throw her in there. Let's just say with that Sarah McMahon. So let's say Chris Cyborg, Liz Carmouche, Sarah McMahon, plus 140. You know, that, that's only an extra 30 bucks on that parlay piece. So forget that. You know what I mean? I, I don't need an extra 30 bucks to make me happy. <laughs> I'm good with the plus 110 with Sarah McMahon, Liz Carmouche. There's no reason to, to, to sweat with, with a Chris Cyborg fight at minus 700. I, did, I see so many fight parlays go down because we add these minus 800 these minus 700 pieces and when you lose a parlay because of because of a pick like that it's sickening it really is it makes me sick to my stomach you know whatever you had for lunch whatever you had for breakfast there's a good chance it's not going to stay down there when you lose a parlay like that because it's just the type of thing that keeps you up at night thinking why the hell did i do that you know it's you're trying to get cute when you don't need to get cute let's just get the win and let's move forward. You know, those are my best bets for UFC Vegas 80 and Bellator 300. It's going to be awesome, guys. It really is. And if you're in San Diego, and if you're in the state of California, Southern California, my advice to you is buy some tickets for Bellator 300 and go enjoy the event. California does not get these major promotional type of fight cards, you know, happening all the time. So when they're here, go for it and enjoy yourself, man. Uh, Bellator does put on great shows. I have attended multiple Bellator shows on Hawaii, also in the state of California, and they always show out. They always have a great production, and all the fighters show up and do their best and put on intense fights, man. And I expect the same thing tomorrow at Bellator 300. Follow me at HipperBell on Twitter. 
I'll be giving all the updates for the fight cards. I'll be giving my opinions. And I'm also going to be posting my best bets for the card and for future cards as well, guys. We'll be, we'll be back next week. And if you guys want to listen to me, and if you guys want to catch up with the show that I'm on right now, Carver and Lisi, five nights a week, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific, um, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, Carver and Lisi, Monday through Fridays. We have a great time on SiriusXM Channel 159 and also through the Sports Grid Radio Networks. So don't forget, guys, SiriusXM, SiriusXM 159. Come join and have the fun with Carver and Lisi. It is a football crazy show, and we have a great time every single day. The energy is always at the top of the roof. Expect that every single time we're on the show, guys. With that said, we'll see you guys next week. It has been a pleasure to talk to you guys again this week. Two weeks is way too long. Man, I'm glad we have MMA again this week, and I'm glad we have MMA going forward. And next week, who knows, man? We'll jump into fantasy football, some NFL picks, and some more. And you know what? You know what? Why stop here? Why stop here? I'm going to go through a quick fire on my picks for this week's NFL games. And I'm just going to go through it right now. Right now, why stop? I'm going with the Jags at plus 5.5. I think they keep the, the game against the Bills in London close. The Jaguars have been in London uh, since they played the Falcons last week. The Bills showed up this week. Josh Allen said that he's been drinking coffee nonstop. They're tired. I expect the Jags to actually start fast in this game and show out. Do I think they're going to win the game? I'm not sure, but I'm taking the plus 5.5. Also, I'm taking the Tennessee Titans at minus 2.5 over the Colts. It's a scary game, but I think they get the job done. I'm taking the under in the Saints and the Patriots. I do think the Saints win this game with a last-second field goal or something crazy, but it's going to be a low-scoring game. Also, the Ravens get the job done in Pittsburgh. I'm taking Pittsburgh at plus four. I don't think that uh, the Ravens pull away in this game. I think the Steelers' defense shows up in this game at home, especially after their terrible game in Houston last week. So I'm taking the Steelers plus four, but I'm taking the Ravens to win the game. This game is scary, guys. Falcons at home, minus one and a half against the surging Houston Texans. I think the Falcons win this game. I think they run the ball. I think they control the game. I think they control, they control the, the, the time of possession as well with B. John Robinson. And I think Tyler Algier has a good game on the ground. I think the Falcons win a tight one against the young surging Houston Texans. And the Falcons jump to three and two in their season and look forward to the Houston, uh, to the Washington Commanders coming up the next week. This is a fun game. Lots of points here for the Lions. Lions against the Panthers in Detroit. Lions minus nine and a half. I'm actually taking the Panthers in this game at plus nine and a half. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is doubtful for this game. So expect Laporta. Expect, expect Josh Reynolds. Expect Gibbs. I think Gibbs is going to have an extended role in this game finally because of the absence of Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, expect the Lions to win this game, but I definitely don't think they're going to win by more than 9.5 points. We're going to, to Miami right now. The Miami Dolphins taking on the New York Giants. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins at minus 12.5 points at home. They are surging. They are flying high. I got to admit, this Dolphins team is scary, and they're even better at home. And the Giants are, man, the Giants are free-falling right now. That building is not well over there in New York. The team has lost confidence in their quarterback. They're starting to lose confidence all around the field. They don't look very uh, they don't look like a good football team whatsoever compared to last year. Talk about a team night and day. You know, the Giants, we're going we're gonna to have a great year this year. 
No, 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 no. They have taken a step back, and they're getting thrown in the fire right now. This is a terrible matchup for them in Week 5 You know, for the New York Giants. So I'm definitely taking the Dolphins at minus 12.5 points, and I'm also taking the over. I think the, the Dolphins are going to score at will. I think Tua Tungo-Vailoa is going to uh, throw for over two touchdowns. He might even throw for four. Justin Fields threw for four touchdowns this week, actually, in that big Bears win against the Washington Commanders. Follow the trend. There's going to be some quarterbacks that have big weeks this week just like Justin Fields had yesterday. I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals at plus three. It's going to be a tight game. Don't mess with the Cardinals right now. The Cardinals know how to cover. They are a great team that have played great against Vegas. The Bengals are dropping, and they're dropping fast. I don't think that Joe Burrow is healthy whatsoever. I think they're going to be thrown in the middle of the field a lot. I don't think they're going to be playing with T. Higgins. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to have a big game, but I don't think that's going to be enough for this Cardinals team that's playing great football right now, and they're playing great football with a backup quarterback. Very exciting to see Dobbs just playing well for this Arizona team. You could tell that this team is energized, and they have this fresh fresh energy about them. They don't have the greatest talent on their roster compared to other teams, but they're playing like a team that's better than they actually are. And those are the scariest teams to play, in my opinion, in the beginning of the year in the NFL. And they're playing at home, so expect a great effort. This is a scary game right here, guys. The Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. Philadelphia minus four. I'm taking the Rams at plus four at home. Uh, I think the return of Cooper Cup is going to give this team a lot of energy in that locker room. Room. Their offense is going to have a great game. I'm taking the over with the points. I think the Rams are going to put up points. I think the Eagles are going to put up points. I just think that this is going to be a game that's going to come down to the very final play, whether it's a field goal for the Rams or if it's a field goal for the Eagles. It's going to be crazy. Don't miss this game. I'm taking the Broncos at home at minus two and a half against the New York Jets. I don't care that the Jets played a great game against the Chiefs on, on, uh, on Sunday Night Football this past week. I think the Broncos are going to be pissed off that they gave the game away against, or excuse me, that they, I think they're going to play pissed off the Broncos. You know, when they came back and won that game last week at the final seconds, that nobody could believe that they came back against the Bears. I think they take that energy at home and get a big time win against the New York Jets. Also, Vikings, this is a surprise pick right here, guys. I think the Vikings win this game at home against the Chiefs. I'm taking the Vikings at plus three and a half, and I'm also taking the Vikings money line. I, I believe their offense is going to show out and I think their defense is actually going to play better than they usually have all season long. Their defense won them the game last week on the road in Carolina, and a win like that really does something for your locker room. Uh, when you, when you when you have a rough start, you get a big win like that on the road. Now you go back home against a team that you could really measure yourself against. Look for the Vikings to get a big time win and to get their season back on track. And finally, the Cowboys against the 49ers in San Francisco. I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers minus three and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. The San Francisco 49ers are a scary team on both offense and defense. This is a team I'm going to put a futures bet on to win the Super Bowl because they're only going to get better. Uh, they need to stay healthy, and if this team stays healthy, they're going to be Super Bowl bound. This is going to be a fun game. Lots of eyes are going to be on this game, but expect the 49ers to start fast in a pressure-packed game that they understand is going to be a big-time measuring stick for them going forward. They understand that, th that a win against the Cowboys and a great performance against the Cowboys really puts them ahead of the rest of the NFL, in my opinion. It's a big-time game. They know it. The coaches know it. Expect them to show out. Again, and man, Monday Night Football, last game, guys, right here. The Raiders at home against the Packers. 
Jimmy Garoppolo comes back home. Devontae Adams is going to have a big game. We're taking the Raiders minus one and a half, one, minus one and a half against the Packers. I'm also taking Josh Jacobs to go over his rushing prop. The Packers cannot stop the run. So we're rolling with the Raiders and we're rolling with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams to get them over the hump in Las Vegas. It's going to be a fun time game. There's going to be a lot of Packer fans in the stands, but who cares? It's Vegas, baby. Let's go. All right, guys, that has been my quick fire NFL picks. Let's roll. Let's see how we do. We'll recap all of this coming up next week on Hit the Bell with me, Matias Perbell. We'll see y'all next week. Aloha. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.